not Pastor Revin's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Father, we trust your word to lead us and guide us into all truth. As I step back, I thank you for the Holy Spirit stepping up so that everything that is said will bring glory to you and understanding to your people. And I pray today, Father, that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow your word as we implement it in our lives. And I thank you in advance that our lives will never be the same. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I've been in a series of shotgun messages over the last three weeks, which has turned into a series in and of itself. And so for those of you who are not familiar with what a shotgun message is, a shotgun message is when I've been in the middle of a planned teaching series and then God prompts me to teach something else. And so that's kind of what we're in the middle of. And so uh, our topic of discussion has been start believing. Everybody say start believing. And so I want to continue and maybe close this topic. It just depends on how we close. I want to continue with this in the area of believing. So if you're taking notes, today's topic is expanding your capacity to believe. Expanding your capacity to believe. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Genesis chapter 15. We're going to look at verse 1, Genesis 15 verses 1. And then we're going to go to Joshua chapter 1, verses 8. That was Genesis chapter 15, verses 1, and then Joshua chapter 1, verses 8. We're talking about expanding your capacity to believe. And here's what I mean by that. You and I are where we are because of the belief and faith that we have have, uh, shown in our lives. In other words, most people don't want to connect where they are with their faith, but we are where we are because of our faith. Now, you say, well, pastor, what about when things happen to me? See, we have to understand we live in a world that is flowing in a negative direction. But Jesus said, hey, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He says, you know, in this world, you will have tribulation. So watch this. Just being alive and being a Christian does not keep me from experiencing negative things. But see, how can I know that the overcomer that's on the inside of me can overcome things if I don't have to overcome something? And so it doesn't excuse us from having to go through things, but what it does, it positions us and spiritually helps us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so I want to talk to you about expanding your capacity because I believe God has more for you than what you think you have. I know that God wants more for you because the only way that he's going to push you to be a blessing to other people is if you have more than what you need. So many Christians are so happy because their needs are met. And that frustrates me. You know why? Because if your needs are just met, what happens when God puts it on your heart to be a blessing? You can't be a blessing because you only have enough for you. 
See, it's not until you have more than what you need that you can really be a blessing and it not stress you out. Amen. You want to be, listen, it's beautiful to be at a table and God puts it on your heart or you just, it's on your heart to just go pay for somebody's dinner and there's 17 people at the, at the table and you don't think about your budget. And then you bless the waiter in such a way they'll never forget you. Amen. So let me catch us up real quickly. We've discovered that believing takes place in our heart. That's what Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. It talks about confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart. So believing takes place in the heart. That means believing is spiritual. Everybody say believing is spiritual. And if believing is spiritual, then we shouldn't need anything in the natural in order to believe. Now go to Genesis chapter 15. Go to Genesis 15 because something happened to Abraham to help him believe. And see, that's why, you know, if you read in the New Testament, there was a guy and uh, somebody in his family was sick or about to die. And uh, he said, Jesus, Jesus said, you know, if you can believe all things are possible. He said, oh, Lord, help my unbelief. Well, I'm going to show you today that there is ways to combat or overcome unbelief. And something happened to Abraham because at one point Abraham was wishy-washy in his faith. But there came a point in his life where he became convinced that what God said he would do, he would do. Well, I'm going to show you what happened, and then I'm going to show you how to make it happen in your life. Genesis 15, look in verse 1. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Verse 2. And Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing? Everybody say seeing. Seeing. That I go childless. I want you to circle the word seeing if you have a regular Bible and highlight it if you can in your electronic Bible. Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. Verse 3. And Abram said, Behold, to me you have not given any seed. And lo, one born in my house is not mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And he brought him forth. Watch this now. This is what God did to Abraham. Because remember now, it just said that Abraham could not see himself with children. Let's see what happened. Verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. Look at the stars. And if you're able to be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. I want you to read this part with me. Let's read it together. And he believed in the Lord. Let's read it again. And he believed in the Lord. Read it one more time. And he believed in the Lord. Listen, at one point he didn't believe. But something happened to Abraham to make Abraham believe. Well, what was it? Well, it's very simple if we just look. God gave Abraham a picture of his future. Most people never look beyond today. They're not looking. In fact, their future, all they can see are bills. But see, there are so many people in the Bible who use this concept, and I'm going to throw them out to you because you probably weren't aware of it. In other words, Abraham believed because God put something in front of him. God put his promise in front of Abraham. And he said, listen, it says, and he believed. Now, 
What God showed Abraham was a form of meditation. Everybody say meditation. Now, I'm not talking about the old meditation, you know, with the Greek gods and people sitting in a Zen room with your legs crossed. That's not the kind of meditation I'm talking about. And that's not the kind of meditation the Bible's talking about. Because the Bible tells us to meditate day and night. Okay, so if if it means to sit down with our eyes closed, you can't do that day and night. So biblical meditation is different from the world's meditation. Now go to Joshua chapter 1. Go to Joshua 1. Because this was a form of meditation that God gave to Abraham. And uh, I'm going to show you at the end some principles that you and I need to implement in our lives that will help us get a vision or a picture of what God has for us. Joshua 1, look in verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein how? Day and night. What did he say we need to meditate in? The word, day and night, watch this, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. See, that's why you need to see yourself not cussing. Amen. You need to see yourself being a blessing. You need to see yourself being calm, cool, and collected. Amen. He said you need to do it day and night, observe to do what's written, for then, when you do that, you shall make your way what? Prosperous. And then you shall have what? Now notice who makes our way prosperous. It didn't say God makes our way prosperous. It said that we make our way prosperous. And we don't like that because when things don't work out the way we want to, we need somebody to blame. And that's why so many people get mad at God. It's easy to blame God. But see, my thing is, how can you blame the person that gives you the power to make it happen? But see, the enemy is smart too, just like he wanted to blame God on Eve. He said, Eve, listen, God don't want you to eat that because he th- when you eat that, you're going to become like him. Well, they were already like God. The Bible says that God made them in his image. So the devil was lying to him, and that's what he does to us. He lies to us, oh, God don't love you. That's why you're not married right now. Oh, God don't love you. If he did, you would have a house by now. Well, no, me having a house, that's me making my way prosperous. Maybe it's something that I'm not doing. Amen. So let's see here. He told Joshua to meditate in the word day and night. So something happened. Go to Joshua chapter 6. Go to Joshua 6. And I am going to throw some, some scriptures at you. And here's why. I believe the only thing that can change your life is the word. You know, I can get up here and talk about, you know, uh, I can, you know, I'm not a hooper, but, but I can pretend to hoop. Uh, I'm not a singer and I can pretend to sing. But at the end of the day, that's not what changed my life. What changed my life is this word right here. Now, watch this now, because something happened to Joshua. Joshua took what God told him to do. I want you to meditate in the word day and night. Don't let it come out of your mouth. So now Joshua's faced with a situation in Joshua 6. This was the first time now the children of Israel are getting ready to to, uh, take over a city called Jericho. Now, we know the story about Jericho, and they marched around the wall, and the wall fell down. But there's something about this story that most of us don't know. In verse uh, 1, it says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel, nobody went in and nobody went out. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, who's talking? The Lord is talking. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Joshua. What's the next word he says to Joshua? Everybody say see. Now see, that word see is not just look. If you have your Bibles, I want you to write down the definition of this word see. It means to gaze, to stare at. Now watch this now. Here's the one that I really like. To have an experience or to have visions. 
to have an experience and to have visions. What he was telling Joshua, Joshua, I need you to have a vision. I need you to stare at it. I need you to have an experience because watch this. Here's what I want you to experience in your mind, Joshua. I have given you over to Jericho. I have given Jericho to you. No, no, words, what Joshua had a vision of is them taking the city of Jericho. Now, see, this is where you have to make the word personal. Everybody say personal. He said, Joshua, see, have an experience. I want you to have visions about me giving into your hands the city of Jericho and the king and the mighty men of valor. And you will compass the city and all the men of war. Now, he's giving Joshua vision. He's telling Joshua what he wants Joshua to have in his mind. Then he goes on to say in verse 5, And it shall come to pass that when you make a long blast of the ram's horn, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down what? Flat. And the people ascended up, every man straight before him. He told Joshua, Joshua, this is what I want, I want you to see. I want you to see me using you to overcome that city. I want you to see the walls of that city coming down. And let me tell you something. If God, when he, God wants us to do something, if we refuse to do it, he's going to find somebody else. You know, when I, I started for Word of Truth Family Church, it was real funny. When I started Word of Truth Family Church, well, let me back up. When I was in college, uh, Bible school, uh, I was 27. That's when God told me I was going to pastor. Now, you have to understand, I didn't start till I was 40. But what was interesting is when God told, came to me and says, okay, now I want you to start uh, the church that I put in your heart to do. And I said, okay. He said, uh, and if you don't do it, I'll find somebody else to do it. And this is what he said to me, which I thought was very intriguing. He says, you're not the first person I asked to do this over here. Somebody said no. Look at your neighbor and say, was it you? Was it you? He gave Joshua a vision of what he wanted from him by showing him and giving him the word. In other words, he asked Joshua, watch this, to see himself at the next level. Can you see yourself at the next level? Maybe you haven't hit six figures yet because you can't see yourself making it. Hello? Maybe, maybe you don't see yourself owning your own business because all you can do is see yourself working for somebody else. No, no. Listen, the best, the best way to plant a seed to own your own business is by working for somebody else as unto the Lord. See, that's why some of y'all mad right now. You mad at your boss. You mad at your, your manager. You mad because they didn't give you the vacation time you wanted because you didn't turn it in the way you should have. And, and they, but they done somebody else like that. And so now you turned it in and they said no. And now you mad. No, no, no. Listen. No, 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 no. When you get mad, your faith can't work. See, that's why. You, listen, listen. Faith without works is dead, but watch this. The Bible says that faith works by love. So you, when you're walking by faith, you ought to be the sweetest person in the world. So, Pastor, what do I do? You work that job as unto the Lord. Listen, you put those extra hours in. Don't expect to get rewarded from man. 
Because the only way you're going to get rewarded for man is if they see everything you do. See, they're not always around. But God is always around. And promotion doesn't come from man anyway. It comes from God. He wanted Joshua to see himself at the next level. Now, there are three kinds of meditation experiences that will help you believe. Now, I'm about to get a little deep here. Touch your neighbor and say, it's about to get a little deep right here. See, when a person meditates, it helped Abraham see himself with a child. Well, I want to show you three ways that you can see yourself with whatever you want. And see, the problem is most people don't know what they want. You know, I had a, one of our members was in the office and uh, I was going over some things with them and they were having some financial challenges. And so, you know, we got to the point where I said to them, uh, looks like you're just going to have to, uh, you know, believe God for some, some increase. And, and they said, well, well, pastor, right now I just need anything. Anything will help me. I said, well, well how much, you know, because, you know, Jesus said, you uh, ask and you shall receive. I said, so how much you want God to bless you with? He said, anything will do. I just need some increase. I pulled out my pocket a nickel. Put it right there. It was a nickel or a dime, and I gave it to him. I said, that's increase. Is that enough? Well, no, Pastor, that's not enough. You said anything. Some of us don't know what we want. So there are three kinds of experiences. You can write this down. The first one is a natural experience. And that's something that you and I really live through. That's an actual experience. If I were to put a chair up here, and uh, I did a scientific study on the chair. I had a scientist to come in and he tells about the chair and how, uh, how much weight that chair can hold and, and the dimensions of that chair and, and tell you everything about that chair. And uh, you met, you were under the criteria. In other words, a chair can hold 300 pounds. You only, met, you only weigh 150. All right. And so we got all the records and study that shows how many people who sat there that was 150 pounds and it didn't break. And so you get up there and you sit down in a chair and the chair breaks. Well, guess what? You're not going to believe that scientific data. What you going to believe? You're going to believe your actual experience. And see, this is why your actual experience is more potent than anything else, because you can't lie about what happened to you. Amen. And so that's why. Personal experiences, uh, they devastate a lot of people because when we go through something negative, because it has such an impact on our life, then, then, you know, we let it rule our life. But that's not really what it's for. So everybody say a natural experience. Here's number two, a soulish experience. Now, this is something that takes place in the mind, in the heart. This is where you dream. You know, at night, uh, have you ever been in your dream running from somebody? I mean, running, 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 running. And right before you jump off the cliff and you're about to hit the ground, boom, you wake up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, you wake up, your heart beating. You're breathing hard. You're sweating in your sleep. Well, it, it, you didn't really run in your dream. You didn't run in reality. Why is your physical man feeling like that you did a physical activity when it all took place in your mind? Because your mind can show you things that seem real. Everybody say a soulish experience. Here's number three, a spiritual experience. And this is something that is initiated by God. This is when he'll give you a picture or a vision or a dream about something that he wants you to do. It's just like this auditorium, Seguin High School. I didn't even...
I didn't know where this place existed. Y'all see that? <laughs> My pastor was having microphone the whole time. Boy, I tell you. But uh, at the end of the day, Seguin told me no four times. Four. Everybody say four. Now, God had already showed me in a vision that this is where we were supposed to have church. So who am I to believe? Do I believe God? Or do I believe man? Which one? Okay, so watch this now. Then what man says shouldn't bother me. See, what happens is what man says to us bothers us. And then we go and broadcast it. Did you, girl, did you see what he said to me in that meeting today? He said, you ain't going to never get promoted. Girl, I, the devil is alive. I will leave this place and get promoted for I. You done took what he said and have run with it. No, no, no. Once again, told me no. I went back to the Lord. I said, Lord, did you hear that? I said, now, I know Pharaoh told you no nine, eight or nine times. So I'm good with eight or nine. But I need you to work on them because you're the one who told me where the school was anyway. So then why they told me no, I would come in here every day, sit right up here, and, and they would let me in too. <laughs> Finally, they got to the point where they see me coming, they just say, go on, go on. <laughs> I didn't even have to sign in. They just So I come in here, I cut the lights on, and I just see this place being full and see ourselves having church here, right? Well, eventually... And then I passed out a picture of this place to our church. And eventually you can see that what I saw and what God showed me came to pass. Do you see that? Now, what if I had given up? Then I would blame it on God. Well, God showed me that we were supposed to have a vision and be in this school. But they told me no. Who are you going to believe? So you know what I did? I just got a vision. Everybody say he got a vision. So a spiritual experience is when God gives you a vision or a dream. Now, <clears throat> inside of all of us, we have a belief system. Everybody say a belief system. We have a belief system. And here's the thing about our belief system. It can't distinguish the difference between these different experiences I just told you. In other words, there's a part of you on the inside that believes. It's called your heart. Everybody say the heart. See, the heart of you is where you believe. And here's the thing about your belief system. It can't tell the difference between what, what was soulish, what was spiritual, and what was, what was natural. It just believes. And this is why if we learn how to operate those three, we can use them to help us get to our next level. And that's what most people don't do. They let the negative experiences keep them from the next level instead of seeing themselves at the next level. So watch this now. Our belief system, it's responsible for our success. And here's what happens. Okay, let me explain how your, how your belief system works. If you believe because it's been handed down to you, your mama, your grandmother, your great-great-grandmama, you all just was raised on welfare. That's just how it is. And that's what you believe for. You believe the more kids you have, the more welfare money you get. That's how you beat the system. That's how you were raised. Your great-grandmother did it. Your grandmother did it. Your mama did it. Now you're doing it. Well, you can't see yourself above or beyond welfare. And so what happens if somebody gave you a job that paid more than the welfare? Your belief system says, I believe in welfare. 
it won't be long that you will make a mind, make up in your mind that this is not for you. And because it's taken you out of your comfort zone of being on welfare, you will do whatever it takes to get back to the comfort level of being on welfare. And that's why some people can't keep a job because they don't really want one. Oh, I said a lot right there. Did you see that? So what happens is wherever our comfort level is, is where we're going to stay. And most people don't have a vision beyond their comfort level. So watch this now. Uh, if you have a, uh, if your comfort level, watch this now, is having a 401k and having medical insurance and having all the comforts of a job. Well, if God puts in your heart to be an entrepreneur, you got to now change your belief. See, just like you can believe that that job can meet all your needs, you got to be able to believe that God's going that that that, that business He's going to give you is going to meet all your needs. But see, what happens is some people, some businesses fail because the comfort level of the person is not in their own business; it's working for somebody else. See, they can't get past getting a check every week. When you're an entrepreneur, you get a check when you can get one. Now, eventually, you know, you believe yourself up and now things can work and that's fine. But even in that situation, some of us, maybe you have one location and you're supposed to have two. Here is the enemy of faith, comfort. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it over here. The enemy of faith is comfort. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with being comfortable. But the problem with getting comfortable is that you stop using your faith that you use to get you there. So now you ain't got to believe God for no, 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 no house note. You don't have to believe God for no house, car note. You ain't got to believe God for no new customers. Man, God is good. Everything's well. Things paid off. I'm comfortable. But what if God now wants to expand you beyond where you are? Maybe he wants you to have a second location. And and you can't get past that because you're comfortable. See, (laughs) thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. Okay, he he just gave me an example to break it down to where you're at. See, there's somebody in the room right now. There's a couple in the room. And you only have one car. And you're comfortable with that one car. Y'all done figured out how to get the word. You, you. See you later, baby. You working every day. You got one car. And here's the sad thing. You don't got comfortable with one car. Let me tell you something. If you married and you live in Texas, it is the will of God for you to have more than one car. Here's why you're comfortable. I was talking to one of our members and they came up to me and they said, Pastor, I've been having problems with my car and uh, it's been breaking down. It was breaking down on the way to church today, but I made it here today. Uh, I need you to pray for me. I said, let me ask you a question. Is the car you driving right now, is it paid for? I knew they were going to say, yeah, yes. I said, I'm not praying for you to get that car fixed. I'm praying for you to get another car. I say, I know what you're thinking. I don't want a car, no. 
But the same God that helped you pay that first car off is the same God that can help you pay the car that you're going to get off. Come on, somebody. Driving around with one car. That's why you're frustrated all the time. I'm talking to somebody. Yeah, I'm staying on this right now. I'm talking to somebody right now. <laughs> I like when I be talking to people, boy. After church, they be like, did you talk to pastor? Did you say something to him? That's what the man be saying. The lady say, I ain't say nothing to him. <laughs> okay, here we go. You got a natural experience, a soulish experience. A spiritual experience. And here's the thing. Our belief system doesn't know the difference between the three of them. And once you hit your comfort zone. See, years ago, I was in the second grade and was so smart. When they moved me to the second grade, they skipped me from the second to the third. So I went from the first grade to the third grade. Now, remember now, wherever your comfort zone is, you're going to do whatever it takes to get back to that. I wasn't comfortable in skipping the second grade and going to the third grade. Number one, all the friends that I had in the first grade, I ain't got no more. <laughs> Second of all, there's some things like I'll never forget. They was writing in cursing in the third grade. And so that's now I have to learn it. Not that I couldn't learn it, but I'm like, so you know what I did? I decided every day Evan Connor was going to protest for being in the third grade. <laughs> and I protested every day to my teacher and my mama and my daddy until they put me back to the second grade. In other words... I got comfortable, and wherever you're comfortable, you're going to go back to it. Amen. Go to Psalm 1. We'll close right here. Go to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. You got to learn how to meditate yourself to the next level. Can I tell you something? Dreaming is free. Now, see, um, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but it came up in a true group, so I'm, I can say it because it's public. Y'all remember two weeks ago when I asked you to write down something and, and uh, that kind of thing? And, and at 4 o'clock in the morning, the Lord gave me two things for the first service. He told me diapers. Well, he, took, he told me two things, diapers and uh, what was the other one? Tires. Huh? I mean, yeah, daycare and tires, right? He was very specific. I don't think like that, okay? Because I don't have daycare expenses. My son's in the first grade. I don't have that. So when I said daycare, nobody raised their hand that they wrote it down. Well, I found out there was a husband and a wife sitting out there, and he said to his wife, you need to write down daycare. And she says, I'm not writing down daycare. Well, somebody was right and somebody was wrong. Because whatever she wrote down is not what I said. In other words, they missed out on that because most people, again, they can't see themselves at the next level. So watch this now. Psalm 1, if you're there, say, I'm there. It says, let me get there here. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, watch this, is in the law of the Lord. And in this law does he meditate how? Day and night. And when you meditate in the word, you will become like a tree 
planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in your season. Your leaf will not wither and whatever you do will prosper. He's saying if you will get yourself in the word and if you will see that word working in your life, you will be like a tree that's planted that has roots and regardless of how dry it is outside, it will be raining on the inside with you. Everybody say, meditate yourself up. So, I'm closing here. This is how meditation works. It works with words. Everybody say words. Everybody say images. Everybody say emotions. Now, this is real here. This is real. Everybody say words, images, and emotions. That's how you create the feelings. Because remember, we are spirit, soul, and body. Did y'all get that? We're spirit, soul. Okay, y'all say it. Spirit, soul. That's how we're made up. So if you can create an experience for all three of those parts of you, then the likelihood of you getting it becomes here. And so that's what words, images, and emotions does. See, emotions relate to your soul. So now that's why, that's why you need to go drive that car. Just go get in it. Because the leather smell. <sighs> That's why you need to go try on the clothes. Just go try it on. Pastor ain't got the money. Go try it on. Amen. If you can't afford the car, rent it for a weekend. Oh, so y'all think I'm playing, huh? Look, Enterprise has any car you want. If you have a car that you want to drive and you can't afford it right now, ask God to bless you with the money, the money to rent it for a weekend. Rent it for that Friday evening, Saturday evening, Sunday. You turn it back in Sunday night so you can drive to church. What's happening is you are producing a soulish experience. Words. What do words do? Words are nothing. They're just designed to, to create a picture. That's why it's so important to hear the word. Because when, if, if I were to close your eyes real quick. If I, I'm about to ha- I'm show you how words create an image. Close your eyes here. Uh, I want you to pretend that uh, I brought a dog on the stage. And this dog is uh, it's a black dog. But it's a black dog with spots. It's a black dog with spots, and it's a, it's a uh, it's a a rock waller. Well, no, everybody don't know what that one looked like. It's a, it's a it's a Doberman Pinscher. All right, y'all see that? Now open up your eyes. Couldn't you just see what I was saying? Because words produce images, and so now that watch this now, that mental part of you can 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 get that, and so now you have the spiritual part of you, and that's when you start putting that word in. And when you put that word in, God will produce the word inside of you. Now, I'm telling y'all what I know right now. Everybody say years ago. See, I'm, I'm telling you what I know. Uh, when, when it was time for me to, when I, when I graduated from high school, I had an image on the inside that I was going to be an entrepreneur all my life. I just thought that was what I was going to be. It was in my heart. That's all I knew. You know, I'm a first-generation pastor, so I didn't grow up thinking, I'm going to be a pastor. My daddy was a pastor. My granddaddy was a pastor. Nobody in my family does is doing this, so I'm the first one. So this wasn't on my bucket list. 
So I'm just doing what I feel. I'm, I feel I'm going to be an entrepreneur. It runs in my family on my mom and my dad's side. So, hey, that's what I started pursuing to do, right? So I'm doing that with all of my heart. And then all of a sudden, God says to me, Evan, I want you to, I want you to pastor a church one day. Now, in the back of my mind, I had already had a certain standard for my life. Okay, before I had and could afford bling, I had fling. Fling means fake bling. I had fake bling in high school. You know, though, you could buy it and they said send it back and we'll replace it if it, if it turns colors. Well, if, it, if they knew it was going to turn colors, so you wouldn't have to replace it. Didn't matter. I wanted to wear it anyway. Mr. T was in at that time, so I wanted as many gold chains on me as I could. I had this vision. When I came to Jamaica, my, my wife will tell you, when I went to Jamaica, you have to understand, I was the first American to go to this school in the West Indies. When I showed up, I had a complete suit on. It was green. I probably had about five shades of green suits. Five shades. I like green. It reminded me of money, so I, 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 I wore suits that were green. No lie, no lie. When I got to Jamaica, I showed up. I got a suit on. They don't wear suits out there. It's too hot. But I got a suit on. I got my Louis Vuitton briefcase. They didn't even know what Louis Vuitton was. I didn't care. I wanted. So I'm, I'll never forget they put me in charge of cleaning the chapel. I had to mop it, sweep it. I didn't mind because guess what? I showed up in my, you know, in what I worked in. They didn't tell you how to dress so everything. Crease down the middle. This is when creases was in style. Okay. Crease down the middle. I mean, I, I, look, they caught a picture of me. This is no lie. This, I shouldn't even tell you this, but I just want to show you the level where I was at, right? They caught a picture of me ironing my underwear. I did, I did, listen. I saw myself here. So when God called me in the ministry, I refused to let my thinking down. Because, listen, don't be, don't be mad at pastors. Six out of ten have to work two jobs. See, every pastor you see, they don't work full time in.